Amen. I'm going to put this over here for you. <laughs> well, good morning again. I invite you to turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. And as we look at Hebrews, I want to identify again that we're in the middle of a conversation that's going on. And Peter, not Peter, the, the writer of the, to the Hebrews is, is having a conversation in particular with Jewish believers, with Jewish Christians. And in this whole conversation, some of them have started, I want to watch my back here. John, I'm going to move this, so I'll try, but I would rather move it instead of knock it over. <laughs> so what's going on in that Jewish community with this, some of these Jewish Christians is they're kind of backing up from faith. And they're kind of starting to create, some of them, a little bit of distance. Now one of you might, or some of you might say, why would they do that? Well, someone here was having a conversation with a Jewish individual this past week, and they, and they relayed this conversation to me, and this Jewish gentleman said, you know, you Christians kind of confuse me. And as he had this conversation, he says, because you know, Jesus was Jewish, and it would make sense to me that if you were going to follow a Jewish Messiah, that you would pursue Judaism instead of focusing on just Jesus. And so part of the conversation is what's going on is I think that's part of what's going on. Some of these Jewish individuals have, have kind of looked at issues of Judaism, looked at issues of faith, and are starting to back up a little bit because they are getting pressure from Jewish segments that you should be practicing Judaism. Now, to go back to that conversation that took place, at this period of time, the temple is still intact. And so Jewish faith is still being practiced biblically. But around 70 AD, the temple is destroyed. And since 70 AD, not a single Jewish individual has been practicing Jewish faith the way scripture defines Jewish faith to be practiced. The whole worship and temple system is gone. It's done. Not a single Jewish individual has been practicing biblical Judaism since 70 AD. But at this point in time, the temple is still present. Jewish practice is still in place. And there's pressure being placed on these individuals to step back from their relationship with Jesus and either to re-engage with their Jewish faith or to do something else. And in this whole conversation, I think the pressure is probably to be re-engaged with the Jewish system, with the old system, with the law. Because the writer to the Hebrews continues to come back and he's saying again and again and again and again and again, Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. And he's identifying that Jesus is way better than everything that the Jewish individual had practiced and pursued in their Jewish faith. Now, was that Jewish faith wrong? No, it's what God had given. But when we're, as we continue to walk through, what we see is that Jesus completes the law. Jesus fulfills the law. And God transitions from an old covenant to a new covenant. Because the old covenant and its practices and its purposes have passed away, and now we are in a new covenant. Now, 
the writer is starting to pick up that conversation and kind of starting to lean into the the heart of some of this, beginning actually at the end of chapter 3. So what I want to do this morning is have a word of prayer, then we're going to start to jump into it, and we'll walk through the things that are in front of us today in chapter 5. But let's pray. Father, I just really want to say thank you so very much for your goodness to us. Father, for continuing to build into us the character and the substance of Jesus. Father, as we walk this journey today, Father, as we wrestle through your word, think through your word, Father, just guide us and lead us into truth. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So let's pick up, as you can see, on chapter 4, verse 14, and I want to read down through verse 10 in chapter 5. And so this conversation that starts to take place in chapter 5 really begins in chapter 4. Therefore, and we talked about this last week, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in this time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people. Now just pause here for a second. And we talked about this a little bit last week. The priest stands between the, the individual and God. And he, the priest faces God. The priest intercedes on behalf of the individual. The prophet, the messenger from God, that's the one who faces the audience. That's the one who faces individuals and says, thus says God. But the priest represents us. To offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and who are going astray, since he is also clothed with weakness. Because of this, he must make an offering for us, for his, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. No one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become high priest, but God who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father, and also in another place, you are forever, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. During his early life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to those who, would, who, would, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And after he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now let's kind of go back through this and and kind of look at this because there's two parts that we're going to look at today. The first part is this section that's going on that talks about Jesus being a priest. And the conversation is starting and actually what's going to happen in chapter 7 he's really going to go in to more of the details. He starts the conversation here. He takes a pause which we're going to introduce at the second half of the message. And then in chapter 7 He really walks into these issues and starts to kind of plow through them, talking about how Jesus is greater. 
Now, he already in chapter 4 talked about how Jesus is greater than Moses. Now he's coming that Jesus is greater than the law. Now, you might think that's a little bit backwards, but why? Because Moses gave the law. And so if Jesus is greater than Moses, then of course he'd be greater than the law. Okay, and we're going to hear more about that in chapter 7. But as he walks through these things, he's identifying that Jesus is greater. And again, what's going on? They're being inclined to step back. And they're creating some space between Jesus and themselves because they're thinking, maybe I've missed the mark and I really should come back and pursue Judaism. And he's coming back and saying, no guys, you have missed it. Jesus is greater. Jesus is the one you need to pursue. Jesus is the one you need to follow. Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus is the answer. So let's go back. We talked about this last week, and I and I think it's I love how this talks about Jesus and what this talks about the role of the priest. But again, therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Jesus passed through the heavens. There's two parts to this that really stand out. One, Jesus is God who became a man, and then when he died, he ascended. Okay, But I think the other part of this also is dealing with the fact that Jesus made the sacrifice not in the earthly temple, but in the heavenly temple. Okay, Jesus is the one sent from God, heavenly, and yet also man. And, and I love this next part. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And again, the high priest represents us. We want someone when when we haven't when we need an advocate. Do you want an advocate who doesn't give a rip about how you feel, what you think, and what's going on in you? No, you want an advocate who gets it, who understands, who understands your pain, who understands your plight, who understands your challenge, who understands the hassles you're walking through. When you look for an advocate, you are looking for someone who understands. And what he's trying to identify is that the priest is one who understands. Jesus understands. Why? Because he was tempted in every way as we are. And we talked about this last week. Jesus was tempted many times. He was tempted right after his baptism. He went to the wilderness. He was tempted by the evil one. But again, as you read that text and you look at that, and it says, and the evil one went away looking for other opportunities to tempt Jesus. And all through his ministry and all through his life, he is being tempted. And that whisper is going on in his ear. You don't need to do these things. You don't need to die on a cross. You don't need to, to pursue all those different things. Just worship me and I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll make it all yours. And Jesus consistently said no, but he's identifying and drilling down. He understands what it means to be tempted. He understands what it means to be walking through the day and all of a sudden, boom! You have this random thought that just comes into your head and gives you grief. You ever have that happen to you? You're just minding your own business in the midst of the day and all of a sudden this thought pops up in your head that tempts you to think one thing or have this attitude or to do this one, one, one area of behavior. And all of a sudden it's a perfectly good day until this temptation comes and starts to whack you upside the head and give you grief. And what is he saying? Jesus understands. Jesus understands. 
He understands exactly what it means to be tempted. He understands exactly what it means to be pressed and to be pushed. To give into flesh. To give into anger. To give into lust. To give into bitterness. Jesus understands exactly what it means to wrestle with sin. Therefore, he said, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. And again, we can come with boldness. Not arrogance, but boldness. We can come with a real degree of confidence that we are going to be received. And again, this is what's great about the priest. The priest is there ready to receive everyone who comes. The priest does not say, uh-uh, not busy today. No, 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 you go away. I have nothing to say to you. That's not the priest. The priest's door is always open. Come. Open. Come. 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 And we can go with boldness. Again, not arrogance. We shouldn't be arrogant. We shouldn't be proud of our sin. We should be broken. But we can still come with boldness and transparency and say, these are the things I'm wrestling with. I want to honor the Lord. I want to worship the Lord. I'm just wrestling. And we can be upfront. We can bold. We can be transparent. And we can do that because we will receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Again, we talked about that last week. Mercy, not receiving what we do deserve, and grace, receiving what we don't deserve. What we deserve is an eternal death, an eternal damnation at a place called the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. But God in his mercy chooses to withhold that and instead to give us forgiveness of sin and to give us Jesus' righteousness in exchange for our wickedness and invite us into his presence forever as his adopted children. That's what God offers us in exchange for our wickedness. So we, have, we find mercy. We don't receive what we do deserve. And instead we do receive what we don't deserve. And that's what we get when we go to the priest. And he intercedes on our behalf. And we can go there with boldness and not be afraid. And then he continues his conversation. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to the God for the people. The priest is for the people. Now, to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. I love that distinction. When we come and we gather here, one of the main reasons we come is to worship and to celebrate our Lord. And that's part of the whole conversation. When you look at temple worship, temple worship was not just bringing something to bring a sacrifice to deal with issues of sin. Temple worship was also about bringing a sacrifice to celebrate the goodness of God. To say thank you for his richness. To say thank you for his provision. To rejoice and to celebrate the amazingness of who he is. It was both parts of that. And so we are able to come to the Lord and through him bring both praise and adoration and also go in confession and be honest and transparent about those things we wrestle with. So he comes and he's for us to help intercede for us so we can both bring praise 
and, and address issues of sin in our lives. Now, he is able to deal gently. And again, I love this language. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. And so often, so often in our culture, we, are, we see this image of God standing in heaven with this huge mallet ready for people to show up and go, boom! And he's going to treat us like a whack-a-mole. You're coming to see me? Boom! You want to mess up? Boom! You have something to say to me? Boom! And people present this image and this whole idea of God is angry. You're messing up. You're not doing what I want. I'm going to nail you to the wall. But no. He is there to deal with us gently. For those who are ignorant and those who don't understand. Can I say something to you? We hear that term ignorant and we think of someone who's belligerent and contrary. He's just ignorant. You know what the whole idea of ignorance is? You just don't have knowledge. You just don't have understanding. Many of us feel this when we go to the mechanic. We go to the mechanic and my car's making noises. It's not running right. And he starts to explain to us what needs to be done, especially now with new technology. Ignorance is just a lack of understanding. It's a lack of information. It's a lack of comprehension. And there's things going on that we just don't understand, and things that just don't make sense. And he deals gently with us, helping us to understand, helping us to be informed. And that's how God functions. He is gentle. And, he's, and we have Jesus so that God can deal with us gently. But he goes on. Why? Since he was also clothed with weakness. Jesus gets it. Jesus gets it. Also clothed with weakness. One of the big things that life teaches you is that you're weak. You're flawed. You don't have all the answers. You don't always have all the pieces. And it's work and challenge and hardship at times to get it all together and to make it all work. There's just so much we don't always understand. There's just so much that we don't always have in place to make everything work the way we want it to work. And Jesus understands that weakness. Jesus understands that flawedness. Because he was human. And he wrestled with sin. He knew what it was to wake up and still be tired because yesterday was such a grueling day and I didn't get enough sleep and my body aches. He understands our frailty and our struggle. Because of this, Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. Now, this is the priest of Aaron. And Aaron, if he was going to intercede on behalf of people, he would make a sacrifice for himself and then he would intercede with others. Now, I've got to tell you, for me as a pastor, this is one of those things that hits me on the head all the time. Because I know every week I'm going to stand in front of you in the reality of my flawedness is painted big. 
because I know I need to stand in front of you and open the word and teach the word and, and, and walk through scripture with you. And it reminds me again and again and again and again and again the flawedness and the frailties and the deficiencies of Andrew Brown. And the importance for me to keep my life in order and the importance for me to try to walk in such a way that I am honoring God and walking with God and serving God well. Now Jesus, no sin. So Jesus didn't even offer a sacrifice for his sin. But he's talking about the process that they all understood year after year after year. Now, he continues, no one takes this honor honor on himself. And the whole Jewish community knew this. Okay? No one from another tribe except from Levi could be a priest. Nobody. No one from the tribe of Benjamin can show up at the temple and apply for the job. No one from the tribe of Dan could show up to the temple and apply for the job. Nobody. You had to be a Levite. You had to be from, from Levi. And in particular, you had to be from Aaron. You couldn't get the job unless you were in the right family line and unless you were called to that role. Let me find my spot again. I looked up. I try not to do that. But no one takes that honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God just as Aaron was. Aaron didn't take that position and presume to do it. He was appointed by God and then his descendants. And Jesus didn't show up and just take the job. He didn't just show up and say, Hey, I'll, I'll, guys, I just want to let you know I'm here. I've decided I'm just going to take I'm going to go make the sacrifice and be a priest for you. No. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And also in another place, you are forever, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now this is huge. Now, first of all, this comes from Psalm 110. So let's go to Psalm 110 and look at this real quick from Psalm 110. I want you to read, and this is a Messianic Psalm, and I just want to come start at verse 1 and, and come on down to verse 4 where that quote is coming from. It says, This is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will extol your mighty scepter from Zion. Rule over your surrounding enemies. Your people will volunteer on your day of battle in holy splendor from the womb of the dawn. The dew of your youth belongs to you. The Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the pattern of Melchizedek. Now pause for a second. Again, this is part of what the writer of Hebrews is saying to the Jewish community. Guys, you need to understand something. You are taking steps back. And you're trying to create distance from Jesus. But you need to understand something. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Jesus is greater than angels. Jesus 
came to die for you to give you life. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater and greater. And every he talks about all these aspects of Jewish tradition and Jewish faith. Jesus is greater. Now he's talking about the worship process. He's talking about temple. He's talking about sacrifice. And he says, guys, you need to understand, Jesus is also greater than Aaron. Because Jesus isn't an, is not a priest from the order of Aaron. Jesus is a priest from the order of Melchizedek. Now who's Melchizedek? You read about Melchizedek, I think it's in Genesis 14. Abraham goes and rescues Lot. Sodom and Gomorrah and a bunch of other other cities are defeated in battle. Lot and his family and all the resources from those cities are carted away. Abraham finds out about it. Grounds up his, his, his people, a little over 300 soldiers. Now think about that, by the way. Back in the day, that's an army. That is an army. It's a big group of guys. Now we look at that today and we say, that's not many. Just think about it in this context. I was looked at this a little bit ago. When, when we, the United States, took control over California from Mexico, it was about 700 soldiers that stood in a line and pushed Mexico back. We're not talking about thousands and thousands and thousands. It was like 700 soldiers who pushed the army of Mexico back. We're not talking about huge numbers. And so when we talk about around 320, 330 soldiers from Abraham's household, soldiers, we're talking about a pretty big fighting force that an individual has at their command. And he goes and he rescues Lot. He defeats the people that had conquered the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and all these other cities. And he takes all the resources and all the people and he goes back and he's captured it all. To the winner goes the spoils in the world. And, and Melchizedek meets Abraham on the way. And Melchizedek is a priest of the Lord, the king of Salem. Now, we're going to go more into this in chapter 7. But the Jewish community knows all about Melchizedek because Melchizedek preceded Aaron. Melchizedek was the priest for Abraham. And so all of the Jewish community understands that Abraham honored Melchizedek. Abraham had Melchizedek intercede before he and God. And when Abraham encountered Melchizedek, it's to Melchizedek that Abraham gave a tithe of all that he had taken in that conflict. The whole Jewish community thoroughly understands that Melchizedek is of more significance and higher authority than Aaron. They all get it. Now, we're going to go into this a little bit more in two weeks. But the entire community understands it. And what's going on is he's laying the foundations. He's starting the conversation. Guys, you need to understand, Jesus is greater. And you're, you're, you're backing up, and you're kind of stepping away from these, these issues of faith. And you're creating some distance and space from Jesus. And you're thinking you're probably going to step back into your Jewish tradition. 
But guys, you need to understand, Jesus is greater. Jesus is more, Jesus is more than anything you want to go back to. Jesus is better than anything you think you want to go back to. Jesus is more. Jesus is greater. And he's greater than Aaron. And he's greater than the priesthood you've grown up understanding and thinking about. Jesus is greater. And it says, during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, i.e. his heavenly father. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And again, this is what Jesus did. He obeyed and he learned that obedience. When is obedience hard? Son, I need you to go to the refrigerator and eat the Rocky Road ice cream. I don't know, it's just been looking at me and staring at me all week, and we got to deal with this ice cream issue. So son, you got to go take care of the ice cream. Son, I've been wanting to go see this latest movie. I know, you know, the, you know Thor's coming out, and I've been wanting to go see it. And, you know, I need you to go preview it for me to make sure it's really everything that they're saying it is. So I'm getting you a ticket. I want you to go. I got you a great seat in the place. I want you to go and preview Thor and make sure it's everything that I've heard it's advertised as. Can you handle that? Thank you. Son, I just bought a new car, and I need you to go pick it up, and I need you to drive it to California, get your brother, and come back. I'll pay for everything. I got the hotel covered. I got food covered. So can you kind of do that? Oh, by the way, it's a nice Mercedes. That's really cool. It's really good. Think you can handle that? Sure, Dad. You know, the reality is, following and listening when it's all easy is, is cool. It's not a problem. It's when it's tough. Hey, son... I've got a hole in the backyard that is not there yet, but needs to be. Shovel's in the garage. I'll be home at five. (laughs) Five by six by three. I've marked it out. Have a great day. Now obedience becomes harder. Obedience is easy when it's stuff we want to do, when it's stuff we have fun with, when it's stuff we like. But obedience is hard when it's painful, when it's grueling, when it's difficult, when it's challenging. And when Jesus was obedient to the Father, even to death on a cross, he understood very well what obedience was all about. Because he learned it through suffering. Do you ever struggle with obedience to God? Do you ever wrestle with honoring God You know, again, it's easy when it's easy, but when it's that challenging stuff, it's tough. But Jesus understands. He has learned obedience through suffering. So even as we are wrestling, we have a priest who understands the challenge. We have a priest who understands our resistance. He gets it. Now, it says, after he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. 
thought process. This is the second time now he references this. He references, you are my son, chapter 1. Now he references the conversation he had in chapter 2, his identity with us. After he was perfected, when was Jesus ready to take our sin? Was Jesus ready to take our sin when he was born? No. Was Jesus ready to take our sin when he went to the Jordan River and he had all of a sudden, poof, this is where that Jeopardy question would kill me again. John, when he had John baptize him. Was Jesus ready to take our sin at that point in time? No. Was Jesus ready to take our sin when he walked into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday? Was he ready? No. No. Because the process had not yet been completed. Was Jesus ready to take our sin when he stood before Pilate? No. Because the process wasn't done. He was not ready to take our sin until after he was crucified and raised again. Then the process and all that was needed was completed or perfected. He was sinless the entire time. He didn't have any sin. But yet the finished work, the completion of what needed to be done was not completed or perfected until his death, burial, and then resurrection. So, when we walk through this, and after he was perfected, what? He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now again, we talk about the whole tension of obedience. It's easy to obey when it's easy, but it's tough when it's a challenge. And how do we know in Christ when there's obedience going on in our life? That's a whole part of the conversation that's also going on here. Now, and he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is all prelude. For the last part of chapter 5 and chapter 6. Now it's Father's Day. Fathers get what's about to happen. Because it's part of our journey. Now mothers get this too because it's also part of the journey of motherhood. Let me ask this question. What is the goal of parenting? Have you thought about that and wrestled through that? The goal of parenting is to raise a God-honoring, mature, and responsible adult. The goal of parenting is not to feed children. The goal of parenting is not to change diapers. The goal of parenting is not to get involved in youth sporting events. The goal of parenting is not to go to class plays or to teacher conferences. The goal of parenting is not to take children to camp. The goal of parenting is to raise adult, responsible, mature, young men and women who are ready to live life in a way that honors God, but that also prepares them to be successful in their journey of life as an adult. That is the goal of parenting. 
Well, then we read these next words in Hebrews 5. He says, we have a great deal to say about this. And it is difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Son, I need you to dig that hole in the backyard, six feet by five feet by three feet deep. Parents, have you ever given your kids a task to do? You gave them all day to do it, and you came home and almost nothing was done? And you get, I didn't understand. Did you really want it today? And we, we get all these various responses. And what's going on here is the writer of Hebrews, he's, he's talking to these individuals, he's saying, listen, you guys should be knowing these things, you should be pursuing these things because God wants you also to grow up. God's goal for you is to reach maturity. God wants you to take some time to think about what it means to be that follower of Jesus. God wants you to start to wrap your head around this. I failed the test of school, I just didn't think I needed to study. How many of you parents have wrestled with your kids about academics? Or how many of you had your parents wrestle with you about academics? It was just too tough. When in reality at times we say to our kids, no, you were too busy reading, you were too busy playing outside, or you're too busy on PlayStation, or you're too busy on X, Y, or Z, and you weren't given the time and effort and energy you needed to learn and to grow. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness. Because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. See, the writer is entering into this whole conversation. And he's saying, guys, you embrace Jesus. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. But now, the world is starting to press you and squeeze you a little bit. It's starting to put some pressure on your life. And because you're starting to feel pressure, you're backing up. And you're starting to create some distance between you and Jesus. Why? Guys, the writer's saying, you should have been preparing yourself for that pressure. You should have been preparing yourself for those questions. You should have been preparing yourself for those various conversations that are going to take place, that are going to challenge you. But you haven't because you're being lazy. You're coasting. You're relaxing but you're not choosing to engage. I would love to talk to you more about this and really wrestle in on these things, but you're choosing to approach things in a lazy way. And again, as he processes through this, let's just kind of walk through it again. Verse 12, although by this time you ought to be teachers. 
Have you had those parent conversations with your kids' parents? Or maybe you've had these conversations. Listen, you should know simple math by now. You should be able to help your little brother, your little sister. You should know this. You shouldn't need to keep on coming back. You should have taken the time to learn this. These basic principles, you should have learned them. You should have given yourself time to study them and to learn them. And if you are starting to understand these basic principles as these questions and as this pressure was starting to land in your life, you would not be motivated to start stepping back, but rather you would be prepared to stand there and you'd be prepared now to start to react and to respond because you understand the basic principles of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and you understand the basic principles of who Jesus is in relationship to the Jewish faith. And you would start to understand that Jesus is the completion of the law. You would start to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And you would start to understand that Jesus has done away with the old covenant and he's introduced a new covenant and a covenant that is no longer written on tablets of stone but rather a covenant that's written on our hearts. And you would have started to understand these things so instead of being pressed and pushed to walk away and back up, you would have been able to lean in on the issues of faith because you've taken time now to start to study, to start to think, to start to understand the principles and foundations of your faith. But instead you need milk and not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Now, my understanding, I am past this stage in my journey, but my understanding there's been a huge formula shortage in our country. A lot of people have struggled getting formula. Anyone here have a formula lunch plant? Any of you going to go home and celebrate Father's Day with formula for lunch? Okay, let's kick it up a little bit. I don't know about Gerber's, and I haven't heard if there's a shortage of Gerber's. Well, you can get the Gerber's peas or the Gerber's fruit or various other baby foods. Steve's giving me the face. Is anyone planning a Gerber's lunch today for Father's Day? We're not. Has anyone gotten any bottles together with just some basic old cow milk? Have you kind of like put it in the fridge and you got like five or six bottles set aside and ready to kind of take it home and kind of get the hot water on the stove and kind of set the bottles in there and ready to have everyone sit down and place a bottle of milk? Anybody? No. You don't. Why? Because all of us have gone beyond the baby formula, the warmed milk, 
the baby food. We want adult food. And those same principles apply to our faith. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, guys, you should be past the baby formula aisle of your faith. You should be past the toddler food journey of your faith. You should be shopping for dinner in the rest of the store. And you should be able to follow a recipe and make yourself something really tasty to eat. You need to be growing up. And the reason you're backing up and the reason you're creating space is because you've chosen not to grow up. You've chosen not to take the time to learn. You've chosen not to take the time in a discipline to think. You've chosen not to take the time to wrestle through the scriptures so that you understand what you believe and why you believe it. And now because you're being challenged with issues that intimidate you or scare you or ask you questions you haven't really thought about, you're backing up instead of leaning in. You need to take the time to grow up. Now, has anyone ever heard a father say to a child, grow up? Grow up. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, listen, Jesus is greater. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is way more than all the things you're thinking about. It's time to grow up. It's time to start to apply yourself. It's time to start to think. It's time to start to learn. It's time to grow up. I don't know where you are in your journey. But I want to challenge you to become a disciple of Jesus who's choosing to grow and learn. Who's going to go beyond the basics. And who's going to become a student of the word so that you understand what you believe and why. This is a little bit of why we do our discovery classes. It's the beginning stages of laying some of those foundations and helping to provide some tools for us to grow and become more and more of who Jesus wants us to be. In particular, we talk about some of those things in class too. But each of us should be in that journey of seeking to become who Jesus desires us to be. In some ways, I think it kind of fits. It's Father's Day. And the writer of Hebrews is saying... Rub it and grow up. Kind of like what dad says at different times. It's not a biggie. Suck it up. Grow up. Let's pray together. Father, I want to say thank you for your amazing goodness to us. Father, for the challenge to pursue and to be more than where we were. Not because of what we do. Not because we have somehow been amazing. But Father, rather we, we choose to then lean in to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We choose then to lean in to pursue a deeper part of a journey and a deeper part of understanding a deeper relationship with you.
not a relationship that's surface and casual, but a relationship that's intimate and deep. Father, I ask that you would be with us today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now again, I just want to extend that invitation to you guys. If you have anything you want to communicate to us today, I would ask you just to use a communication card. Let us know you're here. Or if there's things specifically you want us to pray about, just take a moment to jot that there. We're going to receive an offering. It's going to come from the back to the front. And then the music team is going to close us with a song. And before we go out, there's one more short video I think you might enjoy seeing.